Good day. You're listening to Radio Alhara. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal, Gio Giage. Every month I contribute an artist interview to the station, and this month I'm going to be sharing a conversation I had with Charmaine Lee, who's a sound artist, vocalist, and musician based in New York City. This is a conversation that I recorded in the context of a series of exchanges that took place during the Suoni Peripopolo Music Festival in Montreal that occurs every June. During the festival, I took the opportunity to speak to a bunch of musicians who are visiting town, including Charmaine. This interview looks at her practice, um, also cultural influences from around the world, from her family, going from Hong Kong to Australia to the United States and different places that she's lived and is connected to. It's a really great exchange and also a really awesome artist. So I'd encourage you to check out Charmaine's work. And uh, every month I share an artist interview originally for Radio Hara. These artist interviews broadcast on the first Friday of the month at 5.30 in Palestine. That's at 12.30 Eastern time. They are all archived on soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. Radiohara.net to listen 24-7, an awesome radio project in Palestine. Here's my conversation with Charmaine Lee. Talk to you next month. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I think, first of all, just um, it would be great if you could uh, introduce yourself and speak briefly about your practice. I, you know... Um, took some time to like listen to what you do and I got a very clear sense that the physical um, like relationship to sound um, as emerging from the body and the, also the moment within which you're creating is important to your process so yeah if, anyways that's just a starting point but if you could begin by introducing yourself and respond to any of those those points that speak to you. I would consider myself a vocalist um, and primarily in improvised music. And, you know, I do also compose. I just uh, performed a premiere of a commission by the International Contemporary Ensemble just last night. Um, so I'm, you know, operating in different spaces, but I would say that my music all, all in is primarily improvised. And uh, I'm very much interested in, uh, a sense of playfulness, um, risk-taking, and then also, you know, also central to my practice is trying to augment and distort um, the voice using different tools, technologically speaking. So um, trying to engage with technology in a way that lifts and elevates uh, the organic material um, and sort of create a very, um, you know, I would say optimistic uh, perspective and relationship with uh, that dynamic and trying to um, create a, uh, an environment sonically where um, these two components are codependent as well as independent and um, come together in a way that creates something that could other not otherwise be made. So um, that's kind of where my my interests are conceptually. Uh, and then instead of the practice of music making, um, I have developed a practice that's um, very inspired by a guitarist and faculty member I worked with at the New England Conservatory in Boston, 
Um, his name is Joe Morris. And uh, I studied with him on this uh, sort of methodology of improvised music that um, he has spent a lot of time thinking about. And it's inspired by, you know, some of the, the real greats of, of this music, Ala Orna Coleman, Anthony Braxton, Steve Lacey, Eric Dolphy, um, uh, Gene Lee, etc. So, uh, you know, I worked with him and learned a lot of that uh, practice, which is very, very social and um, almost conversationally framed. So just to get into like high level, what that framework is, is basically at any one time, you can be in one of five different states. And this is improv improvised music that's group in group settings. You can either be um, soloing, juxtapositioning, complementing, uh, in unison or silent. And I spent many years just really engaging with that um, mindset. And what that does is it really makes your listening highly intentional. Um, and it gives you a really solid framework for a sort of sense of active listening, which I'm very interested in, in which you are both participating and receiving and participating all at the same time. So um, that was where my jumping off point was. And then uh, I also developed a solo practice in parallel to the group dynamics that um, is a huge part of what I do now. Uh, and that's its own kind of beast. Um, but what I would, what I do there is heavily inspired by those foundations of uh, sort of real time music making. A lot of ways today, it seems that there is a, a lot of experimentation around voice, but one thing that struck me in listening to your work, but also in seeing the physical aspect of, of what you do uh, with your voice and um, the body as an instrument, really, um, is, is just sort of thinking about how today there's a lot of attempts to sort of mask the way that our voices exist. You know, there's not there's a disconnection between like, uh, you know, the way the voice is delivered. Like even you know we're speaking on on online, right? And there's all these filters to try to. Uh, push this idea of the most sort of quote-unquote natural sound, you know, or uh, even, you know, in sort of mainstream pop music production, it's like to try to sort of communicate this sense of quote, like, you know, a pure sound or whatever that really means. Um, so what I found interesting, like, to think about in, in viewing your work is this idea of manipulation of voice and it sort of exposes how our voices are constantly interacting both with the technology that we're communicating through, but also with our environments, right? Like our voice will sound so different in this room versus this room or on a subway versus in a car. And that can lead, like that awareness um, can lead to, uh, I, I'd say like a deeper in connection with with our voice and, and sound. So any, any thoughts about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I love, I love what you just said. I definitely um, have a very heightened sensitivity to that. And I, I think, you know, I'm no, I'm no scholar of like vocal science, but there I know, I understand that there are these vocal formats that 
build a very complex um, like spectrum of frequencies that make up our voice. So even though it sounds like there's a dominant register, when you actually analyze it, it's highly complex. And so what um, what the microphones actually do, uh, which is what I'm particularly interested in, is accentuate certain frequencies, certain timbres of the voice that already exist. Um, and it's it's that for me, what's most interesting is in general, and this is how I think about technology, is um, sometimes, or for me, most of the time, it's the illusion of achieving a certain effect that is actually more interesting than the effect itself. Um, so when I'm thinking about um, what I was just saying, uh, frequencies, for example, rather than like putting my voice through a filter, um, I will try to achieve something like that with technique, with actually just trying to manipulate the voice to, to sort of generate certain timbres that I'm aspiring to. And in a lot of ways, that aspiration is actually more interesting than sometimes just doing the filter itself. That being said, I do think there are interesting ways to incorporate microphones um, that have different qualities and personalities to expand the vocabulary of what we think of when it comes to the voice. So, uh, for example, I, I think you have sort of been gesturing to like your throat when you're describing some of the bodily stuff. I put on a contact mic. Um, onto my throat and that in and of itself just picking up the surface um, and the tones that exist here has really opened up my imagination of what's possible when um, generating sound from from your body and from the voice uh, you know the contact mic articulates things and sounds and experiences that like you wouldn't even hear in any other way. Like it's, it's such an internalized kind of feeling and that's very special to me. And I think that's something that I see myself really committing to exploring for, for quite some time. Uh, and then there are other more literal microphones that have different components in them that are either um, more sort of the lo-fi end um, that actually help generate a certain vocabulary that I'm really interested in um, you know, whether that be getting more quantized kind of uh, da -da 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 information or, um, you know, bass heavy, kind of getting registers that I, my natural sort of timbre can't really get. So all of this is to say that uh, I think what drives my decisions creatively come from very um, musical aspirations sonic ideas that I have and then trying to develop technique and employ um, you know technology that will then kind of accentuate and get me to those places so it's driven very much by what's going on in my head and like how do I translate that then out um, but yeah got it got it um, in some ways you know we are always pushed towards the idea of clarity and voice and language and music, you know, in sort of a mainstream paradigm. It's like we must understand each other in this specific way. And that obviously has a lot of uh, colonial tones to it in terms of 
language dominance, uh, in terms of uh, frameworks of communication. Um, I appreciated in your work this idea of reconsidering how communication happens and how music is delivered. There's something really powerful about the voice as the primary instrument because of that direct universal portal of, you know, point of connection. And I think that as a vocalist, like, I take that very seriously and I think it should be taken very seriously um, because there is such a, there's such a beautiful opportunity there to express something quite um, just uniquely human. Uh, and I think in terms of just like communication, um, a lot of the joy that I have in improvising with others is the ability to kind of transcend style and certain um, languages within the uh, many practices of uh, jazz, noise music, new music, uh, you know, many different genres that we, we think of today. I think one of the, the, the real um, uh, opportunities that the improvised music and, and so the process that uh, I've developed uh, alongside Joe is that um, ability to think highly macro level and also really, really micro level. And it, what it does is it enables me to um, think about and consider and connect with people who come from very different backgrounds and contexts, whether that be like the conservatory kid like me or someone who is like, you know, I just play whatever God tells me to play and however that comes out. And I think what's powerful is that when you think of music making through those frameworks that I talked about through, are we juxtaposing? Are we complementing each other? Are we <clears throat> in unison with each other? It really widens the space for what is um, possible in terms of connection uh, and, and communication with each other. So, and I think that really translates in a in a both like creative and a social context. So, bringing that out into different contexts and engaging with people who would not really otherwise be exposed to music like this, I think, is really powerful. Um, during the pandemic, um, I saw that you did some efforts to present your work online. Um, and, you know, in the last month or two, there's been a shift, at least in Montreal, towards um, having spaces where we share experimentation and sound, music, soundscapes um, in person. Um, and that is a big change, you know, after this time. Um, I'm just wondering, um, I appreciated that it probably was quite a process to try to deliver and share your work in a totally different paradigm uh, during the pandemic online. Um, how was that for you? Very challenging for sure. Um, for context, prior to the pandemic, I was performing live at least every couple of weeks. So 
fairly, you know, it was pretty in- integral in my um, practice and it was the practice <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. Um, and it was tough for sure. I think at first there was a lot to learn in terms of how do you actually translate so much of what I'm doing live, which in a lot of ways, like it's hard to do. And I think the, even this, the video documentation of live performances or even audio can be quite reductive of that experience. And um, I learned a lot and, and in, in for, for the, for the better uh, in terms of just how to sort of express and connect and find ways to feel present uh, in front of a computer screen <laughs> and no one else. <laughs> um, I think that I, I felt like I sort of maxed out in what that format could mean for me after probably about like eight months worth of like performing on Zoom <laughs> very, very frequently. Um, and I, for me, as, as you sort of mentioned about spatial environmental in, um, uh, influences on the sound, like so much of my vocabulary in what I do is highly in, inspired by the spaces that I play in. So um, if I was like, if I'm operating solely in a single environment for so long, I lose the, the fun of working with like, complicated sound systems, complicated spaces, um, you know, just the, the realities of performing in a live context. Um, I lost a lot of that. And of course, you know, the people and the energy. So that was definitely really challenging for sure. But what I did learn were, were very extremely helpful, um, just ways figuring out how do I translate my, my ideas into a truly recorded medium. And so that's when I released um, my first LP, KNBF, that came out in January of 2021. Um, you know, that was a long haul process of figuring out how do I actually distill a lot of these ideas uh, in a more concentrated fashion. And I wasn't interested in simply just translating live performances into a recording. I was really like trying to use that opportunity to express some part of my creativity that is really only achieved through that recorded uh, medium. So I learned a lot with that. Um, I would say that live performances now are, I'm very grateful for, (laughs) Um, but I feel like I'm still quite out of practice in that way. Um, It's a muscle. And if you don't, uh, if you're not actively working it, it's, it takes a while to come back. Yeah. So you're located in New York City. Um, and uh, I would imagine that Australia was foundational to the beginning of your musical practice. Um, that's far away. Um, I know that Australians are very lucky and can access the United States much easier than Canadians can. Um, I always notice all the accents uh, in art spaces in New York of Australians. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, I, I, but the point being that um, I guess being 
like just geographically distant from your origin point as a musician um, in Australia, do, do you find like the distance creates space for you to sort of reflect? Like, I don't know, when we think about how we came to music, right? There's these sort of um, small memories of like when we first engaged with music or we first thought about experimentation or memories of first dealing with a keyboard or understanding a scale or you know and a lot of your memories I would imagine are not in New York um, and so it could probably seem like this other sort of dream world of another life in a very different place um, is that like something that comes to your mind sometimes yeah, 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 definitely. Um, for for background, my parents immigrated from Hong Kong to Australia in the late eighties, and that's when I that's when they had my brother and I. And so I have this sort of double layer of um, being raised by you know in a, in a uh, by parents from Hong Kong, and then in this country uh, where it is like so far away just from the rest of the world. So like it kind of adds to that dreamlike um, feeling uh, that you're articulating. Uh, as, I, as I spend more time here in the States um, now in my 11th year, that my relationship actually also changes to home, um, to Australia, uh, to um, also even Hong Kong, sort of my, my sort of roots there. Um, a lot of my early memories uh, come from my family. And because we were immigrants, the network was small. It was, you know, my parents <laughs> and my brother. <laughs> um, so I grew up in a very intense environment in that way um very absorbed in um in sort of my 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 immediate family and um kind of taking in that that multicultural sort of um background uh, a lot of my memories musically come from uh, my both my parents are actually love jazz love classical my dad sort of plays um amateur jazz guitar and uh i think I, I sort of think of things now intergenerationally, um, you know, my parents have a certain spirit that is uh, I actually recognise in my own music now. And, and also, you know, we grew up speaking Cantonese. So uh, there's also that literal like linguistic um, imprint that I have and I bring with me everywhere. Um, and I try not to, at this stage, I'm not too conscious about literally applying it in music but I know it's there and I think it like it, it comes out in its own way and I'd like to think that like the perspective that I do bring with that background um to this sort of New York space uh you know is is a positive thing um and that you know that perspective is being shared and and being recognized there um but yeah, my my early memories of, of music really, I mean, I grew up listening to um, you know, the, the sort of real diva vocalists of my time, um, a la, you know, Mariah, Whitney, um, Britney, you know, like 
Christina Aguilera, like all these, all of these like idols of mine vocally. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really like, I used to, um, you know, my, my parents, despite loving music, hated pop. Like they were like, that's, it's not good for you. <laughs> but I loved pop music. And so I used to, um, I used to secretly buy, you know, the sort of top 40 um, now. It was like a compilation called Now Hits. And I think it came out of the UK. And I used to get all the Now CDs and I would um, like secretly listen to them uh, in my room. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And I think that that's, um, again, sort of a big part of my musical uh influences and and sort of it's in my jukebox of inspirations when I'm when I'm performing today. Did your parents ever play music from Hong Kong, Cantonese language music? So my mum was a timpanist, played the timpani in the Hong Kong Youth Orchestra, um, which is pretty amazing. But they were um interestingly, you know, we didn't have to I guess we did more from music that was coming out of the 80s. Um, so less like older than that, I would say. I mean, certainly like there's inspirations within that, but um, yeah, I wouldn't say we were like too exposed to more of the traditional style. Uh, that's something that like in my own personal research and journey I'm like trying to my, my grandma just passed away so I'm like in that process like like uncovering more of that era that I'm particularly interested in so um that's more of an ongoing sort of parallel journey but not not really in my up, upbringing in terms of songs that we were listening to music we were listening to yeah when you talk about that era just for context. So she grew up in the early 1900s. And I think, you know, she has a much closer tie, like in her own, um, both in books and like in literature and in music that she loved and listened to, um, you know, where like literally, you know, we're going through her belongings right now um, in Hong Kong. And so I plan to, when the borders open, I plan to um, go and sort of uh, spend time with uh, all of her collections that she had been, um, you know, all of her things that she'd been collecting over the years. And I know a big part of that was music. Um, so when I talk about era, I mean, like, yeah like early 20th century. Um, but I, I know that she also listened to like Chinese opera and was uh, very much, um, you know, thinking about art from earlier dynasties, Ming, Qing. Um, yeah. So a wide spectrum, but I think something that would be interesting for my own personal project is to, to think about Hong Kong specifically during the time that she was around, um, that she was uh, growing up. So we'll share um, a link to your practice. I was happy we were able to talk about many aspects of your work and where you're coming from. So thank you so much for taking the time this morning. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, I will be back in Montreal sooner than later. (laughs) 